Let's pick up tonight in uh, John chapter 16, verse 5. We left off last time talking about the Holy Spirit. And I said last Wednesday we need to go back and study John 16 and John 17 and read and meditate on what Jesus said to his disciples before his uh, crucifixion, his death. For example, on the Holy Spirit, we have John 16, 5 through 16. Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief, but I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. But see, I don't think we appreciate this, and I don't think we understand it, because most of us probably, if we could have Jesus back, we'd rather have that than the Holy Spirit. See, in other words, I don't think we understand it and I don't think we appreciate it because most of us, if we could have Jesus back, we'd rather have that. But look, look at what he actually said. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. So, see, these are the kinds of things when we talk about Joshua 1.8, meditating on the word of God, the mind cannot comprehend that. It can't. Something like that, those words can only be comprehended, apprehended, understood by the spirit man. And that takes time because we have all this stuff in our heads, you know, from all these years of experience and news and what preachers have said, and, and, and then experience. Well, my experience is. And you know, in 2023, that, that trumps everything, right? Well, my experience is. And so we have all this going on in the human mind, and the mind can't, can't understand that. Only, only the candle of the Lord, the inner man of the heart, can understand those words. I mean, <laughs> this, is, this is what meditation is about. You know, it'd be fine to spend a whole afternoon just on these words. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, one way I think even the mind can understand that this is superior is that I can have God with me all day long and you can have God with you all day long. But if Jesus was here, we'd have to go find him. And if he was in uh, Syria, we'd have to go to Syria. Do you understand that? If he was in Jerusalem, we'd have to go to Jerusalem. So even the mind can understand that, that in that simple way, this is superior. Because, and so then it, it, all these other things begin to come together and make sense. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. How is that possible with millions and millions and millions of believers? By the Spirit of God. Right? When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. And yet, the modern church is trying to avoid this. You know, if I had $1,000 for every time somebody told me somebody got offended, I could build phase two. <laughs> Of course they get offended because that's what he's doing. I'm not doing it. You do realize, right, I didn't write this? 
When he comes, he will convict. Well, and when people say that they didn't like it or they were offended, really, that's all code for what? They were what? Convicted. And I get convicted. <laughs> so if I get convicted, why should I worry about somebody else getting convicted? Of course we get convicted. You know why? Because we're not perfect. And we're being, we're on the potter's wheel and we are being formed and shaped and fashioned into what he would have us be. All of us. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment, in regard to sin because men do not believe in me, in regard to righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and in regard to judgment because the prince of this world now stands, stands condemned. So he's not even talking about our judgment, which is to come. He's talking about judgment with regard to Satan being judged, Colossians 2.15, Galatians 3.13, so forth. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he comes, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Let me tell you what, this is invaluable. He will tell you what is yet to come. He will tell you what is yet to come. We ought to stop there and meditate on that a day. He will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Oh my gosh. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. Now, as Paul was preaching in Athens in Acts 17, 28, he said, for in him we live and move and have our being. And so that is the reality that we ought to be operating in. In him, we live and move and have our being. He has committed unto us the word of grace. He has committed unto us the word of wisdom. He has committed unto us his ability, his ability. And, and I find great power and I find, I discover his pleasure when I give him credit. You know, sometimes I pull up onto the property here and I say, Father, these are, these are the works of God. No man could do this. You know, I go home, I say, Father, you know, you did this. I didn't do this. So I, I, find, I find pleasure in giving him the credit, the glory, and the honor. So have you ever taken notice of what you are in Christ or where you are in Christ or what you possess in Christ or what you can do in Christ. And if you haven't figured it out, that's our fourfold confession that we begin sermons with. I am what the word says I am. I am where the word says I am. I have what the word says I have. I can do what the word says I can do. And we have to remind our, we have to renew our minds to these things because of course, you know, man, you, oh my gosh, you know, you go to the typical place on Sunday and they're telling you you're a worm and you can't do anything and you know we're all God's children and we're all sinners saved by grace and you know we're, we're all being pushed around by the devil I mean it's really pitiful so we have to renew our mind to who we are in Christ where we are in Christ what we possess in Christ and what we can do in Christ say it out loud I've got to renew my mind, renew my mind. to what I am in Christ where I am in Christ, what I possess in Christ, and what I can do in Christ. And, and this makes, 
When you do this, it, it can make you sound like a fanatic to people who are not knowledgeable in the Word of God. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Just uh, go to Thanksgiving and tell everybody, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. I mean, you know, they'll, they'll write you off as a real weirdo. But that's Philippians 4.13. I mean, it's Bible. See, we live in a world where they actually believe men can lactate, but when you believe what God has said about your life, you're nuts. And I'll tell you what, the world getting insane has totally liberated me because I feel like I can just get as crazy as I want to get in faith and I'm, I'm still saner than these people out here. Right? And with what's going on in the world today, we ought to be ashamed of ourselves if we back up off the word an inch. So we are right now the very sons and daughters of Almighty God. Now, this is another thing that's uh, tough for the human mind. I am no more, I will be no more a child of God, a son of God, when I cross over than I am standing here right now. I will no more be a child of God, a son of God, when I cross over than I am standing here right now. The human mind has trouble with this. And uh, a lot of what passes for theology is preacher talk. You know, the, the, when, you, when you deal with government people, and I'm sure we have government people here tonight, God, God forgive me. I mean, you, please forgive me. God will forgive me. I'm not sure about you. But, you know, they do CMA reports, cover my, you know, backside reports. But preachers do that. Because they lay hands on somebody, they didn't get healed. So they say, well, you know, sometimes it's the will of God and sometimes it's not. They're covering their backside. And my job is not to cover me. My job is to exalt him. And that's why, you know, you'll hear me say, if there's a failure, it's a failure on my part. It's a failure on your part, but it's not a failure on God's part. So we are right now the very sons and daughters of God. How do I know that? First John 3, 1 and 2, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew not him. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. Say it out loud. Beloved, Beloved. now we are, now we are. The, sons the sons of God. So th there are more words to meditate on. Beloved, now we are the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. So you have his life. If you're born again, you have his life and you have his nature in you. See, these are things we ought to confess. This, this should be a part of our prayer in the mornings. I have his life in me. I have his nature in me. I have his wisdom in me. I have his understanding in me. I have his ability operating in me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. There's nothing impossible for me because I'm connected to him. So what can you do? Measure your ability by the ability of God that is at work within you. And, you know, I was meditating on this today that it was very liberating in my life when I finally stop comparing myself to other ministers. You can't, you can't win that game. And I was telling Sue, I think it was this morning, I've been in this 50 years, and I still don't understand the gifts and callings and anointings of God. 
It's amazing to me. It truly is. You know, uh, we could have a singer come in and very musically uh, gifted, but, you know, it'd be flat. But I know a guy, and uh, he hasn't done a very good job living for the Lord. But if we had him in, he'd sit at that piano, and wow. Gifts, callings, and anointings. It's kind of amazing. But, I discovered something that most people don't know. And then T.L. Osborne reaffirmed it in my life. And that is, if you can get into the Pauline revelation and find out who you are, <laughs> you can do impossible things with, with no gifting and, and, and no calling and no anointing hardly. Amen. Because see, <laughs> You know, I think it'd be great. Sue and I, we were teenagers. We went to the Taft Auditorium in Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, Jimmy Swaggart, was, that was before the fall. Man, he was in his heyday. You know, he was taking in a, a million and a half a week. And I mean, when we were teenagers. And, uh, oh my gosh, you know, he's preaching on the woman with the issue of blood. Then he goes over to the piano and he sings Touching Jesus and then he gets back up and preaches. I mean, unbelievable gifting. But it doesn't do you a whole lot of good long haul if you don't live it, right? And then worse, it shows up in your children if you don't live it. T.L. Osborne, I mean, he played the piano a little bit, but, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't rely on any gifting or any talent or any ability. He relied on the Word of God. He was constantly saying, we're sitting there at the breakfast table in Ukraine, and he was rehearsing to me in Austin and a couple of others sitting there. We don't pray the power down. We preach the power out. His confidence was in the Bible. His confidence was in the written Word of God. Amen. See, so, so when you compare yourself to others, uh, you always put yourself in a, either in a favorable light, which then you're judging, or you put yourself in an unfavorable light, making excuses. But we ought, to, we ought to, rather than do that, focus on who we are in Christ, in Him, in Christ. Who are we in Him? Say it out loud again. I can do all things, do all things. Through, Christ, through Christ who gives me the strength. So we have his life, we have his nature, we have his understanding, we have his wisdom. He knew what needs we would, would face us when he was planning our redemption and when he was planning the new creation. I can hear him say, I'll identify myself with them. I'll be in them. I'll work through them. My ability shall become their ability. My wisdom shall become their wisdom. I won't let them fail through the word. I will build myself into them. And this takes time. He builds himself into us through his word. Underestimating the work that God has wrought in Christ is basically the sin of ignorance. 
and most of us are guilty of it. The Pauline revelation has never become a part of our spiritual education in the church world. Most sermons are from the four Gospels and the Old Testament. I mean, if you visited 100 churches, most sermons are from the four Gospels and from the Old Testament. Very little out of the Pauline revelation. Now, let me say a few things about Paul. You know, Jesus called the men that he called on purpose. I mean, there wasn't a theologian among them. There was not a professional minister among them. He called the men he called on purpose. James, John, Simon, whom he called Peter. These were fishermen. Then there was a tax collector. He called regular, ordinary people. And he did that for a reason. And you know what? He is still calling regular, ordinary people. But <laughs> I can never remember. I always have to ask Austin, is it First Peter or Second Peter? Uh, on, on one of those, the apostle Peter obviously dictated because the grammar is perfect in the Greek. On the other one, it's the hardest thing in the New Testament to translate because the grammar is terrible. And so Peter wrote that without a scribe. So no offense to these men, but they wouldn't have had the intellectual horsepower to do what Paul did. And so God arrested Paul. Paul, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And arrested him. You know, if God strikes you blind, you're kind of arrested, right? But Paul not only was a Pharisee, he was a member of the Sanhedrin because the Bible says in the books, book of Acts that he cast his vote. And to cast a vote, you would have had to have been a member of the Sanhedrin. You would have had to have been married. I mean, you could have been a widower, but you would have had to have been married to become a part of the Sanhedrin. He had studied under Gamaliel. In other words, he had the intellectual horsepower to understand and to write down what God had done for us through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of those scriptures in the Old Testament, the way he pulls them together. And uh, I, I know when we get to the annual Bible reading and you get to Romans, I mean, it's like, all right, we got it. We got it. We got to get some more coffee and we got to put on the thinking cap. Or how about Hebrews? Oh, my goodness. But we need to get back into these books, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. We need to renew our minds to what Christ did for us. We need to have an, we, we need to have an understanding of what he did for us because when we underestimate the work that he has done for us, it leads to failure in life. And when you get to the point in life where you need faith, you won't have it. I said, when you get to the point in life when you, where you need faith, you won't have it. And we all get to that point. We have underestimated the work that he did in us in the new creation. We, we've underestimated the work that he did for us. And we've underestimated the work that he did in us. We've underestimated what he did. We, we've underestimated who we are. We've underestimated the authority that we have. We've underestimated all of it. <laughs> 
And, and frankly, the sad reality is, it's, it's churches and preachers that have done this to us. It is. We've underestimated what he can do through us. The secret of dominating faith lies in getting a true conception of what Jesus actually did for us and what we are in him as a result of it and what the word promises we can do as a result of his finished work in us. Say it again. I can do all things, do all things through, Christ, through Christ who gives me the strength. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to go do some crazy, impossible thing tomorrow. You've got to work your way up to it. I think it was it last Wednesday I made a reference to the fact that I'm grateful to God that he didn't bless me too fast, too soon, too early. Was that last Wednesday? Yeah, because people can be wrecked by too much blessing too quick. We've seen that with children, right? <laughs> The first time we were in Telluride, uh, I was just amazed. I'd never come across anybody like this. Uh, first time we were in Telluride, uh, uh, this gal that was a barista, and uh, she was, I don't know why she was chatting us up. Maybe Sue was chatting her up. I don't know. But she, was, she had just graduated from uh, medical school. She had an MD, and, but she was a trust baby. You know, she was on daddy's uh, dime. And uh, so she was a barista in Telluride because it was all about the skiing. I'd never come across, any, I mean, anybody, I'd ever, I mean, that's a world I don't know anything about. Because, you know, I've always been middle class, had to work for everything, nobody handed me nothing. So I thought, wow. But that's kind of where I made up my mind to not spoil my children. They were still little. I made up my mind. I, I don't want to, if you're here tonight, you're a barista, God bless. But I'm just saying, I'll bet you didn't go to school 10 or 12 years to become a barista. Not the ones I've seen. That's, that really influenced my thinking. I thought, man, I, I can't spoil a child. Because if you spoil it, it's like spoiling an apple. How do you unspoil it? Right? Everybody wants, everybody wants to get, you know, to the PhD, but they, they don't want to go to high school. <laughs> you know, ain't nobody going to give God $10,000 that hasn't give God, given God $1,000. Ain't nobody going to give God $100,000 that hasn't given God $10,000. Ain't nobody going to give God a million dollars that hasn't given God a hundred thousand dollars. See, we we want to we want to get to these levels without going through various steps, and I like stretching myself. I have learned something about God that most people have never learned. And that is this, at whatever level I can believe him at, he will meet me there. God's not concerned about, you understand to God, these numbers just, it's like digits on your hard drive. You know, what difference does another zero make to God? 
You think God's intimidated because somebody stuck another zero on the end? <coughs> These are just numbers to God. It's not about that to God. It's about the faith. And we can believe. We can pull ahead. Amen. And we can believe for whatever we want to believe. You know, I, I've dealt with this about a month back. We can believe for money, but not believe for our health. We can believe for our health and not believe for money. The same principles work in every area of life. Knowledge that is not active, acted upon is of no value. Knowledge that is not acted upon is of no value. Say it out loud. Knowledge, Knowledge that is not acted upon is of no value. See, the problem is a lot, of, a lot of God's people are living in Romans 7. You know, I know what to do, but I doeth it not. I know what to do, but I doeth it not. And that's like the mouse. Did you ever have the mouse in elementary school in the little cage and the, the, the treadmill? Uh, I know what to do, but I doeth it not. And you don't get anywhere. First, you find out what Jesus did for you in his substitution, and then you dare to act upon that knowledge. And that's what faith is. That is what faith is. Faith is daring to take action on what God has said. That's what faith is. That's what faith is. Faith is daring to take action on what God has said. First, you find out what Jesus did for you in a substitution. Then you dare to act on that knowledge. That's the highest order of faith. You take action on the word of God. That's what faith is. You go to Hebrews 11, the, hall of, the faith hall of fame. It says Noah did this. Abraham did that. Moses did this. It's a record of what they did but it's called the Faith Hall of Fame. The, the chapter's on faith. The whole thing's about faith. But it's a, it's a record of what they did. James says, you say you have faith without deeds. I'll show you my faith by what I do. Simply to admire the word, to say you believe it, but then to refuse to act upon it robs you of faith in the time of need. We all get to a point in life where we, we, <laughs> we need an answer. When I, when I know what he is and what he did for me and what actually belongs to me now, everybody shout now. now. And what I may enjoy in my daily life, it makes me a victor in Christ. The knowledge acted upon, say it out loud. The knowledge acted upon knowledge makes me a victor in Christ. I mean, you, you can know that you're supposed to love your wife, but that's not the same as loving her. You can know that you're supposed to respect your husband, but that's not the same as respecting him. When I know that Ephesians 1.3 is real, that he has blessed us in the heavenly realms, has, that's past tense, completed action. He has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, and I know how to assimilate that, how to enjoy it, and how to enter into the riches of it, then I appreciate my master. He told me one day, I was praying about some of these issues. I think it was back in 2018 when I was getting ready to do the Mount Moving Faith Holy Week Revival. And he said, you know, a lot of my people, they, they come into the foyer of my house, which is salvation. And he said, that's as far as they ever go. But he said, not you. He said, you just came in. You stomped around the prosperity room. You stomped around the healing room. He said, you just wandered all over the place. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to find out what belongs to us. And then, and then take action upon it. 
Haven't you ever wondered why it says in heaven that he wipes away their tears? Why would he have to do that? I mean, you know, you're obviously dead. So nothing to worry about there. And you're in heaven. So you're not worried about hell. You're, you're there. You're safe. Can't go to hell. So what are people crying about in heaven? There's only two things I know of that uh, they, they squandered their opportunities or their children are not coming. I don't know why else anybody would cry when they get to heaven. But the Bible talks about how that he'll wipe away their tears. And I love stretching. Amen. And I told my children when they were, you know, in junior high school and high school, I said, look, you want to be an airline pilot? Great. You want to be a doctor? Great. You want to be a CPA? You know, whatever. But I said, ain't nobody going to hell. So we didn't tell them what to do, but the, the, the thing of living for God, that was non-optional. And that's why you need to prosper because that is a great, big, huge incentive. You want to, you want, you want to, you want to bless You want blessing? Well, you gotta, you gotta fly right, man. Gotta live right. Gotta be a tither. Gotta be in church. Gotta live for God. Amen. No walkie right, no, no, no blessing. Amen. Well, pastor, I just don't think that we ought to bribe our children. Why not? You bribe your puppy. God bribes us. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you as you obey the law of the Lord your God. What do you call that? Well, why don't we put a more polite word on it? It's not a bribe, it's an incentive. Right? And it, doesn't your boss do that? I mean, don't you make more money when you show up on time and you don't leave early and you don't take a two-hour martini lunch? Don't you, make, don't you end up making more money than the guy who comes late, leaves early and takes a two-hour martini lunch? Of course. They don't call it bribery. Maybe they call it incentivization. But it's the same thing. You know, sometimes my family will talk about me being out there, and I, I just blame God. I tell them, well, my father spoiled me. He did. The best, the best, the best. Isaiah 119. Once I saw Isaiah 118, 118, 19, I was gone. Man, I was gone. Once I heard Kenneth Hagin Sr., the one that went to be with the Lord, talk about Isaiah 119, that was it. Man, I was gone. Because he said, you know, Isaiah 119, if you shall, you shall eat the good of the land, if ye be willing and obedient, not just willing, obedient. And Christians hate that obedience part. Not just obedient, willing. You got to have a right heart. Amen. Amen. And he, he said, if, if, if it's God's will that you eat the best of the land, it's God's will that you drive the best of the land. 
If it's God's will that you eat the best of the land, it's God's will that you live in the best of the land. If it's God's will that you eat the best of the land, it's God's will that you wear the best of the land. And man, I just, I, I was gone. That was it. Have you ever set foot in a church anywhere in your lifetime kept up like this one? That million-dollar remodel began when Aaron Wood showed me some busted tiles in the fellowship atrium. Pastor, how do you want to handle this? And I said, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. <laughs> and like they say, one thing led to another. <laughs> because, see, I discovered that God, at whatever level you can believe God, God will meet you there. And so I just believed that the money would come in and we could refresh everything and we would end the year in the black. And we did. It was, you know, we, it, it all came to pass. Just as I said it would. Hallelujah. See, but when you talk like that, people think you're bragging. We're not bragging because we know who we are. And here's the horrible truth about it. Because if we don't renew our minds to who we are in Christ, where we are in Christ, what we possess in Christ, and what we can do in Christ, we'll put more faith in a banker than we would in the Word of God. You know, if you, if let's say you're trying to buy a house, and you go and you talk to a mortgage broker, and you give them all your information, and they say, well, you're pre-approved up to $800,000 or whatever. We, we, we take them at their word. And we go out, we start shopping. Well, I've been approved. I've been approved $800,000. I've been approved. I can buy anything I want. They told me. They told me. And we don't think that's nuts at all. You don't know if that person is a believer, a sinner. They could be, they could be stoned. They could, they could be high on legal marijuana while they're talking to you. You have no idea, but we just go out and we repeat it all. Are you hearing me? Well, why can't we take God at his word? With his stripes, I have been healed. Amen. Case closed. Amen. Jesus took up my infirmities and bore away my diseases. Case closed. The Lord my God is meeting all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Case closed. I'm being made rich in every way so that I can be generous on every occasion. Case closed. He sent his word and healed me and delivered me from all of my destructions. Case closed. Why can't we take God at his word? I said, 75% uh, took for, uh, Fauci and Burks at their words. Why can't I take God at his word? Amen. Amen. It's embarrassing, isn't it? It's embarrassing. He has blessed us, past tense, completed action. He has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. So I, I have not been any more blessed than you. I just acted upon more maybe than you. That's it. I don't have a different Bible. I don't have the super duper edition. He has blessed us. Say it out loud. He has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. So there's no, there's no differentiation in levels there. 
In other words, somebody didn't get the super duper dose. It's just a matter of how much of those blessings they've appropriated it. And I don't know about you, but I'm still growing and I'm still getting to know him. I'm getting to the place in my spiritual growth where I began to recognize the riches of his grace and the riches of his glorious finished work and the riches of his own nature that he has imparted to me. And when we do that, it'll change us. So what I'm saying tonight is we need to stop underestimating Jesus and we need to stop underestimating what he did for us. Oh, that CMA report, what preachers do, they push all these blessings into the future. They talk about, you know, when somebody dies, they say, well, they got healed. No, they didn't get healed. They died. And we're all going to die. I'm not criticizing people dying. <laughs> this earth is under a curse because of what Adam and Eve did and everything on it dies. You know, I hate it. Sometimes a tree just up and dies. And when I see a tree die, I think my first thought is, what's that going to cost? But it dies. Stuff dies. Everything. Everything on this planet. So the only choice we have is to make the most of whatever time we have. And to do something for the Lord, not just live for self. And not just do what so many have done, and that is uh, work for the company store their whole lives. That's what they're doing with all these subscriptions. They got, they got all these companies, all these, everything is based on subscriptions. And that's what they did, frankly, with the vaccines. They, they've, they're, they're trying to put all of it on a subscription basis. Oh, we jacked up your DNA. Now you need this. Oh, well, you need the update. Oh, well, now you need this over here. And that's what they're doing. And they're, they're, they can make a gazillion dollars on this. Yeah. Well, why don't we spend time in the Word of God and why don't we meditate on the Word of God until we get a Holy Ghost update? Because Jesus said, He will take what is of mine and show it to you. And that's all the information we need. Amen? Amen? So we need to stop underestimating Jesus and we need to stop underestimating what he did for us. We cannot conceive of anything. I cannot conceive of anything that will cripple faith and put the believer in bondage more quickly and surely than underestimating what Jesus is and what we are in him. Along with that will come an underestimation of his word. So this preacher talk, these CMA reports... They push everything off into the future and they say, you know, somebody dies. They say, well, they got healed. No, they didn't get healed. They died. And uh, everything, you know, well, all those, all those financial promises, those, those are for heaven. That's silly. We're not going to need money in heaven. We need money now. Anybody that's been to the grocery store lately knows we need money and we need more. Right? So they take all these promises and they put, which robs God's people now. The promise, say it out loud. The promises are for now. The are for now. Amen. And then they say, well, you know, that was just for the Jews talking about financial promises. Well, they have a red Galatians three. See, it's not my problem. Uh, somebody else's ignorance is not my problem. 
Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He redeemed us in order that. Galatians 3, he redeemed us in order that. Man, that seems kind of important, right? It seems kind of basic, seems kind of fundamental. If the New Testament says why we were redeemed, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. So everything Abraham had, I can believe God for. Everything in that old covenant, I can believe God for. It's all mine. Jesus said, heaven and earth may pass away, or no. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And, and now the whole thing they're doing in these churches is to love Jesus and hate the Bible, love Jesus and hate the Old Testament, love Jesus and hate the God of the Old Testament. Well, this is moronic because Jesus said, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And the only Bible Jesus taught out of was the Old Testament. He constantly quoted the Old Testament. So how could the Old Testament be bad? Many will say, oh, I believe the Bible is the word of God, and yet they turn to the arm of the flesh for help. This is what they've done. They've, they've cast shade on the Bible. Well, it's an ancient book. Well, those were different times culturally. We understand that. We're not ignorant people. We understand that. I mean, you know, people criticize what you drive or what you wear. Jesus didn't have a Cadillac and all that stupid talk. You know, they didn't have Cadillacs back then. And I, if I was a king back then, I would have ridden an Arabian stallion or something, but that's not what kings rode back then. They rode donkeys. Now, why? I don't know. I wouldn't have. I, I would have been the exception. But anyway, that's what, that was, that's what they wrote. Well, that's what he wrote into Jerusalem. Well, you don't need alligator shoes because, you know, Jesus didn't wear alligator shoes. Well, they didn't have shoes. You know, people are, <clears throat> they will make 1,001 excuses before they'll believe God and take action on the word of God. First time I bought a pair of alligator shoes. I've been looking at these shoes at this store and uh, they marked them down and I did a positive motivational speech for IBM in Dallas. IBM in Dallas and they gave me a check. I went over there and got my first pair of alligator shoes. So I used the world's money to give me a pair of gators. You know, and, and I was hanging out with you know, black preacher friends. You know, I mean, I, I just had to get out of calfskin. I mean, I, I, I was just looking poor. <laughs> You're going to hang out with the brothers. You got to snap. But, you know, people say, well, you know, one guy criticized when Kenneth Hagin got his first Cadillac. I'm talking about the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003. One of the preachers said, now, Brother Hagin, I just don't think we need to drive a car like that. And Dad Hagin said, well, brother, I'm not going to fall out with you for having Chevrolet faith. Don't fall out with me for having Cadillac faith. People are funny. See, if you, if, can you see it? When people judge all this stuff, they're making excuses for not believing God and not taking action on the word of God. That's what they're doing. 
I didn't believe God, and I didn't take action on the Word of God, so you shouldn't drive that, and you shouldn't live there, and you shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't do that. Well, you know, we just ignored the barking dogs and the ankle biters and uh, the critics and the haters. Just ignore them. Jesus, my goodness, you know, if they hated Jesus, First John deals with this. If they hated Jesus, they're going to hate us. Now, that doesn't mean we go out there and try and generate it. But I'm just saying that when it, when it comes our way, well, you know, it is what it is. I'm a follower of him. I'll tell you this about the world. They'll believe their crazy stuff and, and they will stand tooth and nail and they will not back down on their crazy stuff. But Christians back down off the word of God all the time. And God help us and God forgive us. And, and they have such a condescending way of, you know, talking to us. Well, you, do you really believe? Well, of course. But man, they'll defend men lactating all day long. They won't back up. You ever talk to one of them? They won't back up off any of it. But they, the Christians, you know, they just back up off the word of God. And that, that robs the believer of their faith. You do realize, right, this is all we have. Yeah, but pastor, I don't need that. I got the Holy Ghost. Well, <laughs> the only way you know about the Holy Spirit is through the written word of God. You wouldn't even know there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit of God. And he has been sent to illuminate. We just read this out of John 17. He has been sent to illuminate the word of God to us. And I realize I'm unusual because, and I'm going to quit. I realize that I'm unusual because here at Faith Christian Center, we teach faith on two rails. And most people teach faith on one rail. Well, just believe God. Well, there's a little more to it than that. See, Christians are of the mistaken notion that by being a Christian or by being baptized in the Holy Spirit of God, they get a free pass on making poor decisions. But you do not get a free pass on making poor decisions, whether you're a Christian or whether you're spirit-filled. You can stop on the way home and rob a grocery store, and guess what? You do not get an exemption. You do not get a get-out-of-jail-free card. You are going to the pen. And Christians just think that, well, you know, because I'm born again, because I've got the Holy Spirit of God, that somehow I get a free pass from consequences no you do not and this is why we teach faith on two rails faith and character say it out loud character counts, character counts. say it out loud character matters. character matters because you can you can have all the faith you want but if you cheat on your wife your net worth is going to go down by half actually half plus attorney fees yeah, but I was believing God. Yeah, but there's a little more to it than that. You got to live for God, not just believe God. Many will say, oh, I believe the Bible is the word of God. And yet they turn to the arm of the flesh for help. They, <laughs> it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. We have not in 
39 years and four months and 17 days taken one penny from the government. Thank God, thank God, thank God. I, 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 I can't even go there in my thought life. I can't. I mean, what would that be like to have taken money to get the people of God in church on Sunday to take an unproven, untested drug because there's money in it for the church or the preacher? I, I, can't, even, I can't even get my mind around that. I can't, I can't get my mind around it. Well, I just believe God that uh, <laughs> God would meet all of my needs. Silly, simple Pastor Gene. I just believe God that he'd meet all of our needs. I just believe God he'd make us rich in every way so we'd be generous on every occasion. Yeah. I stood right there in the middle of the lockdown now that the, govern the governor denies ever happened. And I stood right there to an empty room and said, Faith Christian Center will be paid off by the end of the year. It's crazy. But I believed that God was meeting all of my needs and making us rich in every way so we could be generous on every occasion. But when you play with the book and you cast shade on the book, and you back up off the book. When you come to the Red Sea and Pharaoh's coming up behind you, your faith will falter because you cast shade on the book. You backed up off it. But I'm here to give glory to God and to say that when we believe what God has said, and stand. He shows out and he shows off. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he makes his every word come to pass. Amen.